welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection. All right, well, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Sean Shields. I'm the Director of Communications here at SBCA. Uh, our guests today are Greg Griggs, who is the Senior Vice President of Manufacturing for Builders First Source, and also Larry Dix, who is the owner of Apex Trust in Warsaw, Virginia. Um, just as a little background, Greg has been in the business for 35 years, and he's worked in several trust plants across the country and is the current president of SBCA. And Larry started in the trust industry in 1986 and bought his own trust plant in 2000. Greg and Larry, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. So why don't we start with how the two of you were motivated to become active participants in SBCA and begin attending association meetings. Greg, you want to start? Sure, sure will. So I think early in my career, the you know, Building Component Manufacturers Conference was always intriguing and one of the events that, that I always wanted to attend. And I finally had the opportunity to attend. So it kind of started with BCMC. Um, get to see the exhibitors, attend the breakout sessions, and participate in, in that event. And then kind of branched into um, participating in local chapters. So I've, I've participated in the Wisconsin chapter, uh, being a, a uh, general manager for plant in Wisconsin. Uh, also participated in the North Carolina, South Carolina chapter after that. Um, and it wasn't until really 2007 that I decided I really wanted to I kept hearing about these open quarterly meetings and I wanted to participate in, in one of those. So back in 2007, I think it was, I attended my first OQM, not exactly sure what city, but it's due to that attendance where I kind of saw the value of the open quarterly meetings, the attendees, the information that we shared, uh, the industry topics that we had to cover. And then I think at the next following BCMC, I was elected onto the board of directors of SBCA and have been on that board ever since. Um, obviously, a few years later, after attending many OQMs, um, I was approached as to my interest in going through the, the presidential process, which uh, was very intriguing to me, and then I accepted. So uh, went into the executive committee as secretary, moved into the treasurer's spot, and now this year uh, elected into the presidency. So that's kind of the journey. Uh, it's been very fulfilling along the way, and this year's um, seat as president has been very fulfilling. Thanks, Greg. How about you, Larry? Okay, well, mine's pretty easy as well. Um, I started local associations back when it was Wood Trust Council of America. Uh, that would have been in the uh, early 90s and then was directly involved with the, I was operating a trust plant there in uh, New Braunfels, Texas. And that's when they started Trust Manufacturers Association of Texas. And I was very active in that. Then uh, came up to Virginia and went to a lot of the BCMCs. I'd never been to a quarterly, didn't honestly know anything about them. And then um, I started my business in 2000, kind of put my head down and honestly never, never spent a lot of time thinking about it. And, uh, and, last few years, I, uh, my son, youngest son started working for us and I realized that it was going to be important to start, you know, giving him a lot more access to people and information where I went to our, you know, we went to our first one in uh, Las Vegas. And uh, that was kind of the eye opening point for me, for the industry as a whole was because I looked around the room and it was a 
you know, a bunch of old guys like me. And I realized that uh, we had so much wealth of information and just needed to start getting that out to everyone. And uh, that's, we got directly involved. I haven't missed one since. Uh, I take a lot of, lot, a couple of guys with me most times. And uh, then I was asked to be on the board a couple of years ago. And now I'm directly involved with it as much as I possibly can to uh, just promote the industry and to uh, bring a lot of young people into our industry. So I'm very motivated in that direction. Excellent. Thanks, Larry. So obviously, one of the main reasons why both of you guys are coming to these are, are really the discussions that happen that occur in real time at the meetings. Wondering if we can spend a little bit of time having you guys um, share some of the stories, the discussions that you've been a part of at these meetings that have been really valuable to you. Uh, Greg, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, there's, there's a lot of topics. Um, I think the one that really stuck in everybody's mind here recently was um, the, the cyber attack discussion we had, um, I think, when we were in maybe I think it was the Fort Worth discussion. Uh, one of the association members had uh, basically got taken ransom by a cyber attacker. Uh, and, and basically we spent about 15 or 20 minutes just discussing that openly uh, around the room. Uh, the component manufacturer gave a lot of detail as to uh, what happened, um, why it happened, and really the nightmare it took to really get out of it. And you know, I think that really hit home with everybody in the room, and I guarantee everybody left that meeting thinking about that situation and going back and investigating what they needed to do, take what preventative measures they needed to take in their own business to prevent that from happening to them. Well, to uh, just to touch base on what Greg just talked about, I mean, that was a eye-opening experience for me. I've always been paranoid about it, but to have someone that you know and respect and uh, to have their business just literally shut down for, I believe it was nine days, Greg, and they they're, they're, yeah. they had a very automated uh, plant and uh, they couldn't even turn on their copy machines. It was just, I mean, and you don't read about that in newspapers because again, we're a small industry, but by being in a room sitting there, I can assure you that day I checked with my insurance company to make sure we were covered, to make sure we had, you know, things like that to protect us because it's, you know, it's one thing when you're big and it shuts you down and you might be able to afford it. But as, as Greg and everybody here knows, most of us are pretty small and that, that could be catastrophic for a small business. So it was a it was a great discussion and one that I will probably never forget. So um, so just little things like that that you're not going to necessarily see, you know, working in your trust plant because, you know, everybody looks around the room and you, you don't see your dirty shoes, but when someone else is looking at your trust fund or you talk to other people, you can pick up on things. So it's just huge value to those type of situations that you have to learn from other people. Larry, you also mentioned um, one of the big things that's that's come up for you are, are um, some of the, the risk management discussions we've had surrounding floor trusses, correct? That is correct. Yeah, <clears throat> that was a, an interesting one. Building floor trusses for single family as a general rule is, it's not that big exposure. Some markets a little more because you have stick frame roofs, but the, the big ones come up in the last several years has been the uh, on multifamily where they're in student housing and they um, have collapses where they're having massive parties and people are jumping up and down and then the floors collapse. And then of course, everybody starts pointing fingers and, and how to you know be protective of yourself as a, as a trust manufacturer and to uh, understand whose responsibility is for the loading and things like that and who's signing off on that stuff. Because 
I mean, I don't know, Greg, but I mean, until the last couple of years, we had never even heard of anything like that that I remember. I haven't either. And now it's been multiple. There's been three or four of them. I mean, the last one, I think that the kids had had a darn almost like a bar inside this place. They had like 50 kids jumping up and down on floor trusses. Well, they're, they're not designed for that. And that was a, you know, a great, you know, learning experience to be able to start telling people. And that has changed that those incidences are changing our industry as a whole. And, um, you know, it's a great testament to the fact that we do learn from mistakes because regardless of all the things that we know, there's always that thing that you don't know what you don't know. And that, that's yeah, been a big one. All, those, all the codes that we designed to would, would never have brought that to the forefront. I mean, we designed for a quarter code and other things, but nobody designs for, you know, 100 kids in the center quarter jumping up and down to the music and then wondering what's going to happen later. So, you know, those, those situations being brought up in, in these meetings and discussed openly um, basically raise awareness for, for every component manufacturer out there. It's another, the other great part of it is you get, um, you get to share or listen to other experiences uh, that maybe open your, your eyes to, you know, mitigating risk at a higher level than what you do today. Uh, you've got some legal experts involved in these association meetings that also lend kind of experience and advice. What, what are the best processes we can use to limit our risk and exposure out there in the real world that keep us, keep us out of a courtroom? All that information is shared uh, in these meetings um, on an ongoing basis. And it's only for the price of admission. I mean, you, we literally, unless I'm missing one, there's legal advice in there every meeting we have that can help us understand because we do talk about things like what is it juvenile wood i think's been a, a topic of discussion lumber grades and we're we're learning this from our you know our other cm's experiences but we do have people in there that look at the legal side of it and i mean most lawyers are 350 to 550 bucks an hour and you're sitting in a meeting and getting that for free and learning through experience real live experiences not the insurance guy go well you know you need to protect yourself for this or this these are really you know live experiences of what you need to protect yourself against and that's the stuff that again you don't know what you don't know and that these meetings are i mean i don't ever leave there without learning something from a liability standpoint simple things as sending out the job site packets well we have job site packets but then we have the one that's full of everything well spend the extra three dollars on every delivery and put that in there because it just eliminates so much exposure from a legal standpoint it's just huge it's just it's simple insurance and that stuff you learn that you just can't most of us don't spend the time to read and look and we have great information on the websites but to get it and hear it and see it it's a big deal so all of you have brought up a lot of really concrete ways in which you have heard something in one of these meetings and then you've you've essentially gone back to your office the next week and implemented something. I mean, these are actionable items that you're constantly getting exposure to. Larry, you touched upon one other thing that, that's maybe a little bit more big picture than that is your exposure to other uh, CM's leadership style. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. There is, um, <laughs> we have quite the assortment of personalities in these rooms. Um, it's, it's actually quite enjoyable and so entertaining at times and to learn um, from the experience, you know, these management styles, there's not anyone that's perfect or any, but you can take little tidbits of, of people, you know, that have done things, the way they operate, the way they manage their people, 
down to the music that they play, some of these guys playing their trust plants and, and how they retain people and, uh, you know, just their hiring practices. And then of course their sales practices. And it's just so much fun. You just get so much energy out of learning from all these different styles of people. And it's, it's like, if you think of it as if you're an athlete and you want to be successful, what do you do? You go, you know, you go play with the, the best of the best. Well, I feel like when you get in these rooms like this, you really are playing with the best of the best that are showing up. Now there's a lot of other guys and gals out there that should be attending these, which is why we're having this to get those type of personalities in there because it's just so, I can't even, the energy that I leave there, I wish I always hate the fact that in October, we don't get to get back until March because I feel so bummed out because it's winter and I get there. It's just like this, it's like an awakening every quarter to just get to these, to all these people. And it's just, it's just so much fun. And they're, and like I said, the personalities are so unique for each person. I just, I just can't stress that enough. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Well, speaking of personalities and fun, I know one of the big shifts that's occurred at these SPCA meetings is, you know, putting more time aside for networking and relationship building um, and what we call sort of team building. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about that? You know, Greg, um, let's start with you. You know, you've mentioned in the past that one of the most valuable things is sort of the relationships that you build at these things and these face-to-face -face conversations and sort of the discussions that happen after the, the sort of the formal SPCA meetings. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean, that, uh, the, the relationships, I've, I've built more relationships attending these, these meetings uh, throughout the industry than you can imagine. And, and they've become uh, some very strong relationships. Um, you know, and it's, it's really, these relationships go as far as, you know, if you're in a bind on capacity and you need some help servicing some customers trying to find, you know, a, the, the right partner that can help you through some of those little blips in your schedule. Sharing the experiences, you know, as to, um, you know, what certain CMs have been through and uh, how they how they adapted or how they overcame um, and getting that information so you did not really ever hopefully have to go through the same thing. You learn from those those conversations. And I'll tell you, some of the relationships, and I think Larry will attest to this, that it, it becomes more than just a business relationship as you as you become tighter. You get to know families, you get to know hobbies, uh, you get to kind of know who, who's doing what and uh, what they enjoy. One of the biggest things we've changed in the open quarterly meetings is uh, we always, we've kind of injected a team building event at each one. And you know, I think everybody could be a little uncomfortable uh, participating in some team building event type situations when they may not be familiar with with the rest of their team, but I think that's healthy. I think it's a good thing because uh, I use the saying, you know, you, you won't get comfortable until you get uncomfortable. So once you can get past that uncomfortable phase and and get in get into and get involved in some of these team building events, that relationship starts to build at that moment, um, and everything just kind of starts moving forward from that point on. Just to mention some team building events that some of them are hilarious, some are very challenging. Uh, I think the first team building event that we uh, went through was a cardboard box boat building event in Tampa uh, a year or so ago. Uh, take a piece of cardboard, find a way to put it together, and then somebody actually gets to get in that cardboard boat in a pool and see if it floats. That it was, was two that people. Was, Remember, you had to have two people in that boat. <laughs> that, that was a hilarious event. Um, 
the I think in San Francisco we did a type of a scavenger hunt where we actually had to kind of go around the city and find different um, attractions and keep track of where we found it. The latest thing we did was in Fort Worth, Texas, where we basically had gun shooting competitions and toilet seat horseshoe throwing competitions and calf roping competitions. And, you know, I, I got to say, the more of those events you do, the more comfortable everyone gets and relationships continue to build. So um, the relationships very important, but I can tell you those events are probably the best thing we've ever added to the OQMs. Well, yes, good I agree with that totally. Yeah, you raise a good point. That's set up to not only, um, you know, there's a lot of type A gregarious uh, personalities in the room, right? But even if you're not one of those, you're maybe a little bit more introverted. It can be a little intimidating to walk into that room and not know anyone and get engaged. Um, that was sort of the goal of these team building exercises and whatnot to, to force people to sort of, not force, but give them an opportunity to be in an, in an atmosphere where it's a smaller group and, you know, through some, some mutual activities, you sort of get to know the people in your smaller group. And hopefully the next time you walk into that room, there's some faces that you can identify and pick somebody that you want to talk to kind of thing. Right. Larry, though, you know, you made a comment to me, uh, when we were preparing for this that I think was interesting is is also there is something to be said for just feeling more comfortable in more one-on-one -on -one conversation situations. Can you talk about sort of, you know, your approach of, you know, the meetings are over, sort of how you get engaged in sort of these one-on-one -on -one conversations and why that's more comfortable sometimes? Sure. Yeah. It's sometimes you just don't want to bring up things that might, you know, like I said, be uncomfortable or might expose someone else. You're not trying to pick on someone. If you hear of a situation, you just want to get more involved with that. And you can do that on a one-on-one -on -one basis and, and really, you know, find out the details. And it also just builds up more of a trust amongst each other um, to be able to discuss things. Cause unfortunately not every part of our business is, is pretty. And some of it uh, can be, you know, stuff you don't want to, you know, air your dirty laundry out, but when you can with other people, and that's just been a huge, deal for me. I feel like now with just the one-on-one relationships with, you know, staff, Greg, you know, a lot of other people, I can pick up the phone call and talk to them about a situation I have and knowing that it's not going to go somewhere else and it's not going to be, you know, just for lack of a better analogy in the SBCA magazine. And that that's just huge. I mean, you, because what happens is you hear these, you're in these big rooms, like I said, there's a lot of type A's in there and you kind of almost sometimes get intimidated but then when you start listening and you can talk to people, um, being by yourself in these businesses, as Greg is, I am, we all are, you think you're the only one having those issues or it's, you know, you're, the world is on you. When you go into these groups and then the you know, one-on-ones, you can talk to people and realize that you're not the only one. And that's where it just really makes, like, I get, I feel so much better about some of that stuff when I hear people have problems with employees or, you know, a potential issue like I had, you know, with my trailer thing with the IRS and stuff like that. You know, you talk, you pick up the phone, talk to somebody, you can get that information. And someone else has almost always been through that. And that's where talking to people one-on-one, -on -one, it just, it's just, it's such a, for me, it's such a relief because, you know, the term it's lonely at the top is, is a lot of truth to that. And it's, it's because you're, you're carrying the burden and then to know that there's other people carrying that burden like you are, it's just a huge relief for, for especially for somebody like me. And I think it would be for a lot of people. Greg, you also raised the point of, you know, there's the impact of having those relationships in the room when you're um, in person, but that 
those relationships extend beyond the meetings, right? They last throughout the year. Larry touched upon that, like when something comes up, you know, you can get on a call uh, on the phone with somebody and give them a call and talk to them about it. You do that too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's really learning from each other and, and the experiences. And, you know, I know Larry and I have had many conversations and it, it goes maybe to operation extent, but even machinery, like Larry mentioned, is, you know, you're out there looking for a piece of machinery and um, you're not exactly sure. It's kind of like you want to test drive it, but you can't test drive it unless you buy it. So what's your next best thing is to try to find somebody that actually has one and get their thoughts and opinions on that specific piece of machinery. And that gives you a little bit better comfort level before you make that investment. You know, it, it goes as far as uh, if, if you're traveling and you're in kind of the area of another one of the CMs, um, you know, the relationships begin to get so strong where uh, you just, hey, I'm in area. You got want to go grab lunch, want to go grab dinner. I mean, it goes it goes that deep. And I think, as you, as you pointed out, those are not short term relationships. They, they last throughout your career. So they're, they're right. always somebody that you can go back to. Um, when you think about some of the, the people that you have those close relationships with now, did you envision having those kinds of relationships when you started with SPCA? Um, not necessarily. I mean, it, and I really will go back to say, I remember attending my first open quarterly meeting. Um, and, you know, I'm the sole representative uh, of a, a specific company. And you're sitting in a room with, with some seasoned veterans and you say type A personalities, there's some B's and C's or whatever. But, you know, when you're, you're kind of the new guy walking into the room, uh, sitting at the same table as a new board member with, with all the guys that have probably been on that board for five, 10 plus years, it gets a little intimidating. And it, it's a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, there's a lot of talent, a lot of years of experience in there, and you're not sure if what you have to say, you know, will mean something or is worthwhile or not. So it, it does get intimidating, but I'll, at that point in time, you're, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have a mentor type program. And I really just want to kind of branch off into our, our new emerging leaders committee. I think what that's brought to the table is, um, it's kind of a mentoring type program where we've got some young, young manufacturers coming into the industry that want to be engaged in SBCA. They want to participate, but they, they all kind of come in at the same level and they've got each other to lean on. So, you know, they, they come to the board meetings as well, but they can come as a group. Uh, it makes them feel a little bit more, more comfortable. And it's more of a kind of a leadership mentorship into uh, what it means to participate in the association and what it means to be a board member and maybe even as far as being the president. Well, I've invested heavily in that. I mean, I've got, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of this and Greg is, is, is too. I mean, I just can't stress enough to getting the next generation that have, you know, so much to offer. It's, uh, it's you know, as Greg said, it's intimidating sometimes to be in, in this room with these, you know, some of these icons of the industry, but I can tell you, um, as a 55 year old with a 25 year old, it's somewhat intimidating being in the room with them because uh, they know stuff that that I sure don't. And listening to the technologies and and you know, I think today we're going to be in 20 years from now is just you know mind blowing to me. Considering you know we started building on plywood tables you know 35, 40 years ago, flipping them by hand, 
And so it works both ways. These guys are teaching us a lot. And I say that to mean the emerging leaders because they just, they just don't see things the way we do. You know, our thing is, you know, we, this is the way we've always done it. Right. Well, that's, they don't, they don't want to talk about stuff like that. So really good for us to, as you know, some of the older folks in the room to be able to have these younger folks around and listen to what they, the way they see things and it's going to change radically. And that's why even kind of the OQMs is young and old. It's just, I think it's, there's never been a more exciting time, at least in my lifetime to be able to be in this industry because of the next generation and what we're going to see. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think the emerging leaders probably kind of originated a couple, couple years ago, three years ago. And up to that point, you know, we, we would get some, some new members coming in and attending OQMs, but it can tell you not as, not as at the rapid rate that we have today with the emerging leaders group coming in. Uh, I mean, I don't, there's probably Sean, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, 20 new emerging leader members on that committee right now? We're rapidly approaching that number. I'm not sure we're quite at 12. I, I think it's around 18 at the moment, official members. Yeah, so I mean, what for, for me, when we get in these meetings and we look around the room, all the all the new faces that are starting to attend is, is pretty exciting. Uh, it just means that um, there's a whole new generation coming through, and they're going to bring different opinions and ideas to the table. Here, here. Well, and, and you guys have done a great job at uh, tasking them with um, things where they're forced to roll up their sleeves from from the get go and, and get things done. Correct? Absolutely. So it's it's a participatory type committee, and you know they have their own events uh, that they put together for BCMC uh, to try to encourage other emerging leaders to to join and attend. They also have some specialized meetings and events during the, the actual OQM that we have each quarter. So they're, they're very committed. To and what? The scholarships. Yeah, the scholarships. Yeah, I mean, even at this last OQM, they hosted their own leadership uh, seminar. And I think they're holding another one here uh, at the next OQM. Oh, great. So, good job getting those guys engaged. Yeah, I'll tell you, that, uh, that last leadership uh, presentation they put together and sponsored was uh, was phenomenal. I mean, for other guys to get in the room and kind of share how they, their leadership styles and how they retain uh, employees and attract employees, it's just, that, that was a great presentation and very valuable to all. So now you mentioned the emerging leaders, they're engaged in um, in putting some activities together for BCMC. Why don't we pivot a little bit and talk about BCMC? It's sort of the other big SBCA uh, in-person event like the OQMs. Greg, that's how you get started. Uh, Larry, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what 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 value the BCMC brings to you as a, as a smaller CM? Well, it's a one-stop shop. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff there that can be tailored to where what you're emphasizing in your plan. So if you've got, you know, two or three people at this meeting, you can hit different ones going simultaneously, either economics or production or safety, technology, um, that you can send different people that can emphasize those particular areas of your plant that you're trying to work, you know, work on. Um, so that's really, really important. And again it's it's just it's a lot of energy there as well and then of course you have the floor which is really kind of the only time of the year that you know you can really go out and 
you know, kick the tires without having to buy something, as Greg said, you know, to look at some things. And then again, building relationships with the uh, different suppliers and then being able to walk the floor with other CMs, looking at equipment together, trying to see what you're trying to achieve. Because again, all we're doing really is building trusses. So being able to look at things differently through another set of eyes that maybe Greg does compared to the way I do. And uh, you just you can't, you can't get that in the quarterlies just because of the fact you don't have access to the equipment. So, um, and the education part of it's just, it's just great. I mean, you're, you're not going to go anywhere during the year, any single trust plant and get as much information in a matter of three days that you could, as you do at the SBCA meeting, the national meeting for sure. Yeah. I think we need to absolutely remember, I mean, what, what I think is very exciting about BCMC, uh, obviously it's the premier trade show for our industry. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think it's put together well, you know, every year our attendance gets bigger and bigger. Our exhibitors uh, get stronger and stronger and we, we have more attending, more exhibitors attending. We're selling more floor space. But I think we need to remember that behind the scenes, the individuals and team that put this show together our association and staff members. So uh, the, the guys that are behind the scenes, you know, putting together the exhibit floor plan, those are actually CM participating members. The guys behind the curtain putting together all these phenomenal educational sessions, they are all component manufacturers that come together as a, as a committee and put these programs together and find the speakers and the panelists. Um, so it, it's really just a, a kind of self-sufficient type show that comes together uh, by all the component manufacturers, the association and the staff, and it turns into one of the best shows that I've ever attended. Excellent. So you've talked about the value of all of these uh, in-person meetings that SBCA helps facilitate. What are your what are your final thoughts? Like if if you're talking to somebody who's been sitting on the sidelines. Uh, has been debating the mm -hmm. value of of you know buying the plane tickets and making the hotel reservations and and leaving their plant for you know uh, three or four days uh, and having to make that that investment. What what advice do you have to them? What what are your sort of concluding thoughts that you would give to them to to hopefully pull them onto the other side of the fence and make that investment? Go ahead, Greg. Um, let's see. You know I. I'll say words won't describe the relationships that, that you build can, you know, uh, participating in these open quarterly meetings or even BCMC. I wish that uh, there's a lot of component manufacturers out there that may or may not be members of the association. And um, some of the things that we talked about today really basically kind of show what the value is when you attend. I mean, I, I wish that, I could know or have some type of relationships or at least an acquaintance with, with all the component manufacturers out there. And, and we don't, I mean, there's a lot out there. I mean, the value that they're going to get uh, for their plane ticket and hotel, there's no, there's no fee to come to the meeting. The value they're going to get is going to, well, they're going to get a great return on that investment. So, I mean, you talk about the risk management, you talk about the relationship, you talk about the shared experiences, um, I don't think there's, uh, that's that's just priceless. Yeah, and I mean, this is our industry. It's not, you know, Greg's trust plan or my trust plan, it's our industry. And we're not, you know, the, you know, they're not up there giving us 
eight billion dollar bailouts because we're you know that not that big as an industry. So we as as uh, CMs owe it to the industry and we owe it to you know our families and and the families that are associated with these businesses because it's not just about you know my trust plan. It's about all of our trust plans and by coming to these you know OQMs and the BCMC. Um, it's just not that expensive. I mean, I know it is because I mean, I'm a small CM too, but I mean, just the amount of value that I get every single time, I just can't, I can't place a value on that enough access that I have to trust plants that I never had four years ago. I mean, I can pretty much go into, you know, any one of probably a hundred trust plants in the United States, just because of the fact that I go to the OQMs and I know the people that can get me in there, not to steal their ideas or do anything, but to share in our ideas, to be able to, again, like Greg said, I mean, see equipment. I mean, there is so much equipment out there and being able to have access to looking at this stuff while it's actually operational, not sitting on the BCMC floor where it works perfectly. And you can talk to the, the folks that are working on them daily. And so, I mean, I just see it now as I've gotten a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser. It's just that I owe it to the industry and this is just one way of doing it. And and I just you know think that everyone should start looking at that because the other thing is in the next 20 years, this industry is going to change in ways that we don't have any idea yet. And if you're not going to these meetings and paying attention to the SBCA stuff and the information the staff sends out on a weekly basis, you could potentially be left behind and I don't want to be those people. That's why I'm investing in it, my business, as well as, you know, the industry is because I know it's going to change in like literally in ways we just have no idea. So I say, you got to get there. Hey, Sean, let's, let's not forget I think yeah. the open quarterly meetings. You know, they also include the association includes not only component manufacturers, but all of our suppliers. So, you know, that that's another relationship building, um, situation for the component manufacturers and all the suppliers in attendance. So, uh, I mean, we all see that at BCMC, all our suppliers are exhibiting their products, but um, so it's not just the component manufacturer to component manufacturer relationship. You've got, you know, the entire association uh, as, as a, a team coming together, supplier and component manufacturer both. Great point. Yeah, you raise a good point. We talked about this a little bit that, you know, at BCMC, um, all the suppliers that are exhibiting there, it's hard to have a lengthy, meaningful one-on-one -on -one conversation, right? I mean, you're standing in the middle of a showroom. Uh, there's lots of activity all around you. There might even be people also waiting to have that conversation where right. that doesn't quite exist at, at the OQMs. You have a chance to, at any given point, sit down with somebody for 10 or 15 minutes just and talk one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, because you're, um, you know, you, you can talk to them at break. I mean, we're having... We've got scheduled breakfast and lunch together, and we also, you know, have dinner together each night that we're in attendance of the OQM. So um, there, there's a lot of conversation that goes on, not just in the meeting, but after hours as well. Yeah, it strikes me that we, we didn't talk about this previously, but you, you raise an interesting point with the suppliers and just sort of an interesting perspective. One of the other things that's incorporated both into BCMCs and into the OQMs are tours of other manufacturing facilities, mostly component manufacturers, but sometimes other manufacturing type facilities. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of your um, impressions of those, why those are valuable, um, why it's important to get in other trust plants? Well, so we'll my, take it, Larry. go ahead, Greg. No, take it, Larry. 
No, I was going to say it's interesting. Um, I always enjoy the trust plants because I like to see other trust plants. But the last couple that we've gone to non-trust related you know, facilities like the one in Fort Worth, I learned a lot there just because of being able to see the robotics in action, seeing you know lasers being used in ways that we have not used in our industry. Just you know things like that that that, that kind of open your eyes because manufacturing is manufacturing, but when you can see it in that type of you know layout like we did in Fort Worth, I mean to me that was a very eye-opening experience. Do I learn stuff at the other trust plants? Yes and no. It's just fun to because I'd I'd spend all day in the trust plant if I could, but to get to see some of the other things that don't necessarily relate to the trust plant, I thought was very good as well. And that you're not going to get access to that, you know, unless you're with you know the OQM. Yeah, and you have, uh, I mean, you go into other plants, you, you know, you get, you get to see equipment in action, that's for sure, and you get to see, you know, uh, process and how process flows in that particular location. Uh, you know, the outside industry type tours, like the one Larry mentioned in Fort Worth, I mean, that's a different perspective on a different type of manufacturing, so it's a different process, and you very well might find little things as you take that tour that may apply or make your process better in your component manufacturing plant. So, I, I mean, I, I enjoy those as much as anything, just getting a different perspective. Uh, so we've, we've had a tour in Fort Worth. We had another one uh, when we were in Chicago and watched them build uh, fast load nail guns. Uh, this particular one in Fort Worth was a, a facility that manufactured uh, HVAC uh, ductwork. Uh, commercially and residentially so just different processes but still uh, taking raw product and manufacturing it into a finished product absolutely yeah that was a great one too even like the fact that they did the it was lengthy when it, you know they did their report I guess it was probably every day giving them production numbers showing how you know getting them to stretch and stuff like that well I, I'd never seen anything like that in my life I thought it was quite interesting I'm not saying I would do that in the way they did it, but it was still exposed, exposing me to something that I had never seen before. So I thought that was great. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, I, I, I guess that was their Tuesday meeting. And uh, it was kind of interesting that uh, they went through production numbers and, you know, Larry, I think everybody participated and yep. they had they had some stretching going on and warm ups and they had some music going on and they That's were right. changing music. I mean, it was, uh, it was a different perspective on uh, the way they kind of hold their production meetings. Yeah, it was really cool. They did birthdays and anniversaries and uh, just people that had moved, changed positions. It was, it was quite good. I was very impressed. Greg and Larry, um, again, thank you very much for taking the time to participate in this and um, sharing your insight and experiences from all of this. Thank you. Thanks, thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening to SPCA's podcast, Component Connection. We are committed to bringing you a variety of information via this podcast. Please email your feedback or suggestions for future topics to podcast at spcindustry.com.